Once again, Cougar Nation, welcome back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah, for another edition of the Coordinator's Corner, presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up on today's show, we'll review how the Cougars got to 3-0 with another wire-to-wire -wire win over another Pac-12 opponent. We're visiting today with Special Teams Coordinator, Safeties Coach, and Assistant Head Coach Ed Lamb, along with Offensive Coordinator and QB Coach Aaron Roderick. We'll find out the players of the week on offense, defense, and special teams. And we'll preview the Saturday night showdown with South Florida after three straight P5s to open the season. Well, yes, BYU is indeed 3-0 in consecutive seasons for the first time since 1951 and 1952. Third straight win to start the season was Saturday's 27-17 home win over Arizona State. As we start off our recap by saying hello to special teams coordinator Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb, good to see you once again. Good to see you, Greg. Thanks. Well, well first of all, that note right there. Uh, program history, you got to go back 70 years to find back-to-back 3-0 starts. Now that's an incredible stat. We talked about it to the, to the team. We were aware of that going into the week. We talked about it to the team, and um, it's still kind of hard to believe with all the success BYU's had over the years. Let's get to the game on Saturday night to BYU and ASU. And uh, it's appropriate that you're visiting with us first because it didn't take long for special teams to figure in this game. Opening kickoff and cover team causes a turnover. It was a great individual effort uh, by uh, Talmadge Gunther. And, and, he, and anybody who knows football knows you can't have an individual effort without a great team effort. The team went down, spilled it. Talmadge was right where he needed to be, put his face mask on the football, and uh, Hayden Livingston right there to scoop it up. Just a, just a great way to start the game. You've heard me talk about Talmadge before. I'm a big believer in his ability to help our team, and what a great textbook tackle right there by him. And Hayden Livingston... Uh, does more than serve on the cover team. We know that Ryan Rico is known as the main holder, but Hayden's right there, isn't he? That's right. Hayden has multiple abilities. High school quarterback, plays safety for us, plays every game, uh, a, a critical role on our defense, special teams, and that holder role is, uh, you know, not too many guys can do that. He's one of your position guys, as you just mentioned, so Hayden's got, uh, uh, he wears a lot of hats for you, too. So versatile. He's a utility knife. All right, so BYU opens on top uh, for a third straight game because the Cougs went in on a short field, scored a touchdown, and the Cougs have still yet to trail in any game this season. There's significant value in that. There is value. There's also <laughs> value from being battle-tested and coming from behind. So at the point where that becomes our challenge, you know, we, we need to re respond accordingly. But it's just a testament to how, how the boys have played and how they've started and been ready for every game and, and got the lead and held on. And I, I like the fact that, you know, Tyler's contacted two yards shy of the end zone there and ends up three or four yards in the end zone. That's right. He's not a cringer. He runs through contact, accelerates through the tackler, and that's what makes him such a special back. Now, ASU did answer BYU's short field TD with a touchdown drive on their very next possession. A couple of chunk plays uh, got the Sun Devils down the field, too. You got a good idea pretty early of what kind of team you were dealing with. That's right, yeah. We knew that they were explosive and dynamic and could expose us, especially if we've made mistakes. And there were a couple of mistakes there that were just critical errors. And uh, the good part about that is we get the guys over to the sideline, explain the errors. Typically, they're already aware of them, but just acknowledge that, that errors are what allowed them to get that first score. And then, uh, you know, at that point, I thought the guys settled in a little bit and played better. Any way to say, I mean, Toughest team, toughest test you had uh, of the three you faced so far overall? You know, every challenge is just, just different. You and I have talked about, I, you know, just in my role, I have to see the game through all three phases. And so it's really difficult to narrow down if, if we were going to say, 
You know, certainly the most competent passing attack, I think, um, that, that we had faced at this point. But uh, overall, every game just has so many different components, so many different variables. It's hard to, it's hard to, to judge that. We've, we've faced three good teams. I thought Arizona played their best game of the season against us. Yeah, that's the thing, too. They haven't done what I thought they might do in their next two games. But then again, every team that's faced them since BYU's had more to go off of, whereas you were kind of going blind on game one. There's that, and, and there was also a huge investment by Arizona to, to turn around the program right away with a large number of transfers. And I think that, uh, you know, that, that they came out just swinging with all they had uh, in game one. And it can be hard, you know, when guys have only been in the program for weeks or, or months or showed up for training camp, it can be hard to keep a team uh, hanging in there after losses. And I know that loss was devastating for them after game one. Okay, back to the ASU game, the 7-7 score. So after the short field touchdown for BYU, Cougs' next three drives, uh, three plays for minus three, three plays for one yard, three plays for minus three. But it stayed 7-7. Um, ASU racked up some yards, but, but no points. Uh, two punts inside BYU territory, and then the Thule INT in the red zone, which is huge when it came. So BYU kind of kept uh, ASU at bay until the offense swarmed up a little bit. You saw two completely different games. If you're paying attention to complementary football and how offense defense works together, the defense and the special teams just held us in there for the first half. And in the second half, it was a complete opposite. The defense only went out for three meaningful series in the whole second half. And uh, they weren't very successful series. And um, the offense just, just kept their, their offense. Our offense kept their offense off the field in the second half. It was a tremendous team victory. And what a great play by Max there too, right? It's always a heads up play. Max, Max throws his body around. He just plays with reckless abandon. He, we need him on the field as much as we can have him. Special teams, defense, so just love to watch him play. Still has that knee brace on. He wants to be out there. He, do, he does. A lot of the, you know, the, 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 the field of medicine gets more and more powerful every year. In my day, if you didn't want to wear a knee brace, you didn't have to. Now they now they tell you what you need to wear. You're coming back from injury. There's a certain protocol. So I, I think he'd get rid of that thing if mm. he could. But, you know, he's just doing the smart thing and following the advice of the medical staff. Well, that's good. Uh, you talk about the change from first half to second half. First quarter to second quarter was also pretty dramatic. Uh, BYU scored touchdowns on its first two drives of the second quarter, taking that 21-7 to lead. Then the next ASU possession, uh, one of your safeties, Malik Moore, comes up with his third career pick. Great job by, uh, you know, the pass rush created a little bit of pressure with a three-man rush there, at least enough for the quarterback to feel like he had to get rid of it off of his back foot. And then, and then Jacob Robinson got underneath the bender route and uh, put some air under the ball. And then uh, Malik was in the right, exactly the right spot and was able to make that decision. That's a tough decision whenever you've got a deep zone or whether you're coming to play the man or to play the ball, and he made, a, made the right choice there. And as he's shown with that number of three, he's got good hands when he's asked to make a play. He does. He, we recruited him as a developmental defensive back. He was mainly a receiver in high school, got a lot of speed. He was a sub-11, 100-meter guy, speed and length, and, and that's what we believe in in the secondary, and he's, he's become exactly what we had hoped he would become. So BYU's final drive of the first half was a good one, got you into scoring territory again. You faced a third and 12 from the 29. What was the conversation on the headset at that point? Yeah, that's that's a uh, difficult. The, 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 which drive was that again? So we're right before halftime. You're third and twelve from the twenty-nine. Yeah. So you're, now you've got no Jake Oldroyd. So forty-six yarder if you get nothing on the third down, but you took a shot and it resulted in the first uh, giveaway of the season, the pick in the end zone. That's right. Yeah, yeah, we did, we did take a shot. Some of the shots had been successful at that point. Felt like we needed to, to soften up their defense, and just we just felt good about that that shot in that situation. Like you said, it's a long field goal. It was a chance really to, to put the game on ice. It didn't work out for us, but uh, you know, the aggression, the, the important thing for us is that we don't let short-term results influence our long-term aggressional thinking. And so 
you know, very similar situation late in the game where we threw the last touchdown pass where a conventional knowledge would have said to, to take, a, take a knee there or center the ball for a field goal, and uh, yet we were able to put the game on ice. So, so really, same decision, two different halves, two different results. How much does not having Jake in that situation influence what you might want to do? On that play or in that situation? Yeah, that's a that's a really good way to to, to phrase that question because you know we, we have a lot of con- confidence in Justin's ability, but in terms of what he what he has proven in games, it's not to the level that Jake has, and so I think it does influence our decision slightly. Um, that seems to be less of a concern every game. I know in game one we had real concerns about what Justin can do, and now we're talking about well he's got he's got a similar range, he's battle hardened, he's ready, he's, he's answered the call when been, when he's been called upon. That brings us around to two DNPs in three games for Jake Oldroyd. Uh, he's on pace to set all kinds of BYU career kicking records, but his back problems have kind of been a little bit problematic this year. So how concerned are you or should we, Cougar Nation, be about his ability to keep kicking on a regular basis right now? Uh, the great news is there's there's nothing structural. And, you know, that's a, there's, a, there's a word choice there that I don't <laughs> know if Jake would necessarily agree with that. But... But it, it appears to be a soft tissue thing, muscle spasm thing that, that just creates a lot of pain for a guy that as big and strong and as powerful as he is when, uh, when the muscles are off or spasming, that's, that's a lot of pain. And so I think, I think it's something that we expect him back uh, every week. We expect him to be ready to go. He expects that as well. It just didn't work out. So you expect the career, as it were, to keep on rolling for him to get through this? Absolutely. Full expectation of him having a great season, a great career, and, and having an opportunity to continue to play the game after BYU. Meantime, Justin Smith, by the way, Justin T-E-N on that one. Justin yeah. Smith uh, made all three of his PAT tries. He's made the one field goal he did attempt in the – and it was a big one, too. It was a 40-yarder, kind of game-sealing points back in the Arizona game. So what do you have in your backup place kicker, Justin Smith? Oh, we've got a, we've got a young Jake Oldroyd. I have, I have such high expectations for Justin. He's got the leg strength. He's got the athleticism. He, uh, he's, got a, he's got an athlete's mentality. You know, he's a highly competitive soccer player before he got into football, uh, as some of these guys are. And, 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 you know, he just he's ready in the moment. The game is not too big for him. Complete confidence all the time. And he's delivered every time we've asked. All right. It is time for a break. When we come back, it was a big night for Ryan Rico. And BYU withstood a Sun Devil surge to win by 10 and stay perfect on the season. We'll talk about how it happened and get some players of the week as well. As we head to break, we remind you that BYU football with Kalani Sitake airs Tuesday nights, 8.30 Eastern, 6.30 Mountain on the BYU TV app. We have a live studio audience here in Studio C. You can hit the seat request link. You'll see it on my Twitter feed, and we will see you tomorrow night. This is the Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Hall settles, looks left, forced left, throws, intercepted while going down. He throws, and it may be a to-the-house pick six the other way, being chased as Merlin Robertson, forced out. Ball fumbled, and the Cougars recover. The Cougs get the ball back at their own 15-yard line. Tyler Algier trailing the play. Can you believe that? We'll talk more about that play in a little bit. Back on the coordinator's corner, BYU special teams coordinator, safeties coach, and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb and the Cougs, 3-0 after a third straight win over a Pac-12 South opponent, 27-17 over Arizona State Saturday night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Back-to-back wins over ranked teams for the first time since 2009. BYU up to 15th and 16th in the AP and coaches polls this week. And Coach Lamb, second straight home crowd of 60,000-plus. The big crowd actually had a competitive impact 
in this game. Many of Arizona's penalties were influenced uh, by the noise. It was huge. We, we played on defense with a 12th man. And, uh, you know, I would have said uh, a week ago after the Utah game what, a, what an impact that crowd had, and, and they certainly did, and they were loud. But I was thinking about it on Sunday. I, I, don't, I, I probably have been half a hundred or so, maybe 60 games on a BYU sideline as a player and, and coach, two different coaching stints. I've never heard it as loud as it was. Really? Yeah, that was incredible. Because you're not the first person I've heard say that. And after the Utah game, you're right, you felt like kind of a bar had been set, and it was even raised a little bit, it felt, on Saturday night. They were, they were the 12th man. Our defense knows that. It, obviously, it helps our defense a little more than our offense. helps the whole team with the terms of excitement, but uh, that, that, was a, that was a market defense. We were playing in those, in that, on those third-quarter drives we were playing and fourth-quarter drives we were playing with the 12th man on defense. And once the crowd got the sense that we are really doing something here, it just kind of amped up the level. Yeah, at, at yeah. that point, it became it, it really became absurd the way that uh, Arizona <laughs> State was was struggling and our guys were having fun with it and the crowd, the guys on our sideline are then having fun directing the crowd noise. I mean, it, it was a special moment. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Well, uh, BYU led this game 21-7 uh, at halftime. Got the ball to open the third quarter. Didn't score on that drive or any drive in the third. ASU scored 10 straight to make it a four-point game heading into the fourth. That's not unusual, though. Uh, each of your three games... You've seen a nice lead shrink as the opponent scores exactly 10 straight points, but every time, BYU has the response required. That's right. BYU had the response. I'm so proud of the, our offensive staff, the way they just kept hanging in there, believing in our offensive football players. You know, defensively, we started to, we started to crack a little bit there, but we, we came over, we made adjustments. Offensively, they just kept working to find the right combination of rushing attack and stay balanced. And, it, and as it has the last two weeks, really three weeks, it paid off. This isn't last year. This isn't scoring 40 and 50 and winning by 20 and 30 every week. It's a different vibe. It's a different feel. But you're, you're still discovering really important things about your team and the way you're winning these games. Absolutely. Your complimentary football just keeps coming to mind, the way that the offense and the defense and the special teams are working together, stepping up at different times. You know, Tyler Algier stepped up and made a defensive play on offense. So there's no clearer signal that you could send to your teammates than, I'm not giving up on you guys. We're in this together. So let's get to that. The third quarter ends in quite incredible fashion. BYU was driving after ASU made it that four-point game 21-17. Then came one of the rare non-scoring plays that BYU fans will be talking about for years. Let's have a look at what Tyler Algier did, and everybody has seen this. It is a viral clip now. Uh, the nation stood up and took attention of the effort from Tyler Algier, and not just Tyler, but Jaron Hall as well and others on this play. The more you look at it, what do you think? You know, if you've played the game, you understand that the, the offense and defense practice separately from each other. They meet separately. It's, it really is, in a lot of ways, two different teams. And a, and a team that's fragile, it can become split in two different teams. And, uh, you know, Tyler Algier, what, not only do we believe in his ability to do this, but he's been a starter on defense. He's been a starter on special teams. For him to deliver that play right there as the defense is watching the game slip away, mm. literally in real time. Yeah. Uh, for him to give that kind of effort, make that kind of play, and then, and then for Jaron to scoop it up, and our offense goes marching right back down the field again, and the defense continues to make adjustments and rest. It was the play of the game, and, and he is the – there were some amazing individual efforts on defense um, and, and group efforts on defense. Tyler Batty had his best game in a, in a BYU football uniform, but the defensive play of the game hmm. was that play right there by Tyler. From an offensive player. Uh, how much does his defensive resume, defensive training, tackling mentality as a former linebacker influence that play right there, do you think? 
I think it does. I mean, his overall understanding of the game. He's been a starter on 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 punt, kickoff, uh, defense. He he knows he knows what it's like as a defensive player to be standing there on the sideline and watch a turnover happen, and how you've got to rally yourself. Okay, we got to go in there and protect our offense. And uh, his his desire to just make that play and get the ball back, his belief in himself, uh, that that's inspiring. To, to everybody that's seen it, much less the defensive guys that are getting ready to take the field and all of a sudden they go sit back down again. And technique, he avoids a horse collar yeah. and the punch angle is perfect. Yeah, yeah, his technique was was flawless and, you know, I, uh, we'll just give credit to Harvey Unger. Maybe he's doing that drill every day <laughs> in practice, I don't know. No, that's, that's, a, that's just a football player making a football play. He knows how important the ball is. You can see it when he carries the football mm -hmm. on offense and uh, the game is the ball and he took the ball. Now, BYU kept the ball or got it back, didn't score on the ensuing drive or the continuing drive, but it took more than seven minutes off the clock if you include the time before and after the strip, and it kept ASU clearly from going in. That's huge. That is huge and underappreciated under probably on how much that impacted the game from an emotional standpoint and even keeping the defense off the field at a time when we really needed it. Well, as has been the case in each of the three preceding games, or all three games this season, uh, BYU needed a point-scoring drive late in the fourth quarter to seal the deal. And again, it's, it's a multi-faceted, uh, uh, magnificent, time-taking drive that ends not with Jaron Hall on the field. Uh, Baylor Romney lost the game-winning touchdown pass. Uh, Coach, whether it's, it's Tyler's amazing effort, Baylor being ready uh, when the number is called, what a great teaching tape you got late Saturday night. Absolutely. Yeah, that, there's nobody in our program that, that even flinched, and including the play caller, Coach Roderick, in this situation, having Baylor in there. Baylor's been there. He's done it before. You know, we love Jaron and what he brings, and he's our starter, and, and, uh, and we have just complete confidence in Baylor, and obviously he shows why right there. And the other thing about it, too, we'll talk about it with A-Rod, was that was a 12-play drive with one pass, and that was the pass. <laughs> That's right. At the, at the <laughs> least at the time when you would least expect it. A great, great play call by him. It's actually a run first option uh, for, the, for the quarterback there. And, but uh, he saw what he liked. And obviously that's a, that's a very enticing target when you see Isaac matched up on just about anybody and he put it where only Isaac could catch it. Very smart play in that situation. Okay, take us back to the headset now because now it's a 10 point game. You made a decision to forego the PAT. That's right. Yeah, that's that's a that that would not have been the right call if there were two minutes or more left in the game. But at the point where it becomes a one possession uh, game for for the opponent, and, and at 90 seconds or so left, it was a one possession. Just the the small chance that a snap over the head or a blocked kick could end up with with uh, you know a two point conversion, taking it back to a one possession game. Uh, we we absolutely could not risk that, so that, so we made the call there to take the knee. Kalani, you know, has me in charge of that stuff. He he put me in charge of that for a for a reason, and it's a job that I take um, seriously. When did the switch click for you on situation? Yeah, that's the, I, the, where there was no question that was the call you were going to make. Oh, it it was uh, it was a it was kind of a panic the whole time. I'm, <laughs> I'm supposed to be in that role because I'm composed, but it was like <laughs> the the constant management of that last drive. We went from okay, we just need to play football at the beginning of the drive and don't worry about being in a, a what, what we normally call four-minute drill to, okay, we've made some first downs. Now we need to be deliberate with the way we manage the clock. Then late, okay, we're in a pretty high percentage field goal range here. Mm -hmm. And there is some value to going up seven points, points as opposed to four, of course. And then, okay, do we shoot for the touchdown? And then that quickly flipped to 10-point lead. And now we're under 90 seconds. 
the right decision there is to take a knee, and, and that, I was having a hard time keeping up. Okay, well, it, 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 you did exactly <laughs> the right thing as it turned out, and it's, again, stays two possessions when it's really a one-possession situation. Fantastic. All right, turnover talk real quickly. Uh, plus two in the margin on Saturday, plus five on the season. BYU, 17 straight wins when even or plus in the turnover margin. So just not losing the turnover battle is more than half the battle for BYU. That's right. It always is, and that's a, that's a football, you know, that, that's a common football knowledge that uh, turnovers and takeaways can really have a major impact on the game. They have uh, for us, and our offense has been fantastic at that. We were able to get a few this, uh, this week to kind of make up for some uncharacteristic turnovers we had. BYU ended the night, by the way, with a two-yard advantage in average starting field position. One of those kind of granular things, but it also has an impact. And thanks in no small part to the punting of Ryan Rico, uh, he goes six kicks for a 52.8-yard uh, average, including a BYU record 83-yard bomb. And that wasn't just rolled 30 yards. That was a bomb. Uh, longest kick in the FBS this season. And that big average was with taking one off a punt or two where he had to go short field. What a night. A tremendous night for him, and that's what he's been for us. He doesn't always get enough punts to be recognized. I actually recognize him as the top block, uh, which usually goes to one of our return game players who's blocking for our returners. But he blocked Arizona State's punt return game from being an impact. I think they had eight total yards of punt return yardage. And so just a huge part of our game there, especially in the first half, the way he was able to flip the field. He punted once from his own back line in the end zone and got it out to the 50. That's not, not easy to do. Tremendous game by Ryan. We see that 83-yard uh, punt, first punt we look at, and again, just uh, he was. And, and you know what? I thought they actually played him pretty well where they were lining up. They actually gave him a leg. They they they, they were back pretty far. They did, yeah. They they were smart about it and uh, and had the chance to return a couple. And the coverage guys did a great job of getting down there. That gets us to our special teams players of the week. Who do you have? Um, our top uh, top rock went to I think it was Javel uh, Brown. He's earning some of his first significant playing time. He's on the travel squad now, and he did a tremendous job on punt coverage. We've got three great gunners out there with him: Jacob Bourne and Chris Jackson. Uh, Ryan Rico got the the top block for for blocking their um, ability to get into their punt return game, and then Talmadge with the, the huge stick there on the first play of the game, causing that fumble. Uh, defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki went unconventional for his defensive players of the game because neither one is actually a defensive player. Uh, he, he went with Tyler Algier for making the defensive play as an offensive player and Cougar Nation for helping to influence some of those penalties that Arizona State racked up on on Saturday night. Absolutely. I think our, all of our defensive guys, they consider Tyler one of their own, and so that... Uh, I think that you know that's that's not going to cause a schism there between the units, and uh, and and there's not a defensive player in our program that doesn't realize what the crowd did for them um, on that night, and hopefully we can continue to generate that kind of excitement in the stadium. Fantastic! All right, good stuff. As we go to break, let's remind folks that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads. JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and Harriman. This Saturday, BYU hosting South Florida. Get your game preview on with Cougar Pregame Live on BYU Radio. It begins at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. We'll have all the pregame coverage for you leading up to the 8:20 kick. Coming up next, we'll look ahead to USF and check in on social media for Coach Lamb. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Ball in the air. Five yards deep. 
And DeAndre Pierce will take it out to the 10, the 15, and he has cut down the ball as loose. The Cougars have recovered the football. Hayden Livingston with the fumble recovery at the 12-yard line. Got underway on Saturday night. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up this Saturday, third straight home game for BYU. 3-0, 15th-ranked Cougs hosting 1-2 South Florida. USF uh, picking up its first win of the season over FCS foe Florida A&M this past Saturday. Second meeting all time. The first one went USF's way two years ago in Tampa. And, um, yeah, that, that one kind of stung. One of those games, as I recall, it felt kind of given away at the time. It was. It was. We made critical errors at critical times. And uh, and it was a it ended up being a close game, but looking back on it, there was there were a handful of plays on offense, defense, and special teams that just that just cost us the ability to get a win that we should have walked away. From. It was it was a game Jaron Hall started, did not finish, as he got banged up in that game. It was a game BYU led by heading into the fourth quarter, one of the rare games that BYU lost while taking a lead into the final quarter. Uh, this season's USF squad has used multiple quarterbacks. They started a freshman on Saturday in getting that win. They've scored fewer than 20 points per game. They struggle on third downs. Uh, they lost their first two FBS games, albeit to you know good teams, NC State and Florida, uh, by a pretty wide margin. What do you see when you watch USF? Well, I see a capable young team, and, and by that, I, you know, I'll acknowledge that they've, they've had some struggles up to this point in the season, but um, really good athletes, a, lot, or a whole lot of Team speed through through the whole team and uh, and, a, and a quarterback that you know kind of provided a spark for them last week in their win. So a new freshman quarterback that appears like he's going to be their starter moving forward. At any time, I think they could they could find a rhythm. And so we've got to do a great job of playing our brand of football. All right, another late night kick. 8:15 could be 8:20-ish by the time they get it underway for BYU and USF Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Second meeting all time and looking to go one and one against the Bulls. All right, let's get to social media now. Uh, question coming in from uh, Gary Slack today. He said there was what clearly appeared to be a targeting call on Jaron Hall in the Arizona State game, or at least could have been called. He said, in fact, saw a former ref or an observing ref on Twitter commented that it should have been buzzed by the replay crew. After the fact, in that moment, can the coaches do anything uh, with the officiating crew to have them review for targeting? A correct assumption should should have been and may have been reviewed by the by the replay staff on site, but uh, the coaches there there is no um, there is no rule that allows for a targeting review that the coaches can initiate. Coach challenge works for pretty much everything but targeting. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We can we can challenge a lot. We can, and and a lot of times a, a good officiating crew. There's so much communication going on. They'll tell us, uh, well, they're already looking at it. Coach, hold off. Don't mm -hmm. don't waste a timeout or don't don't risk a timeout. So usually they're on on point with that. And you got to be very choosy about what you what you choose to challenge. Did you go back and look at it and weigh uh, the hall hit in particular? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we've seen, I've saw it and, uh, I could think, you have seen it called? Yeah, I, I could, I could have seen it called, but, but to, to be fair, um, you know, there's, there's, I think you can go through any game of BYU defense and see plays that, that could have been called targeting as well. I don't, I don't think that that's what we're all looking for as coaches or even game officials is everything that could have been called. We're looking for egregious, um, you know, targeting where, where guys are trying to hurt or hit other guys. And it, it, it did look like to me that it, that it could have fit the definition of targeting, but he also brought his arms and wrapped up, which is a tackle effort. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that is the, I think the dividing line for the official, is this a hit effort or a tackle effort?
maybe maybe a mitigating factor in that situation. Could All right. Been. Well, great half hour, Coach Lamb. Thank you so much. We'll give you the week off next week and see you in a couple. Thanks, Greg. All right. That is Coach Ed Lamb. Get set for the Cougars and the Bulls of USF on BYU TV's Countdown to Kickoff this Saturday, 9 o'clock Eastern time on BYU TV. Coming up next, we'll bring in offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick. This is the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with Coach A-Rod right after this. You are in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Second half hour of the show begins now as we welcome in offensive coordinator, QB coach Aaron Roderick. BYU moving up in the coaches' polls and the AP polls this week. 15th in the AP, 16th in coaches. BYU one of 33 3-0 teams in the FBS, but the only one with three wins over P5 programs. Coach Roderick, good to see you again. Good to see you. Let's get right into it. BYU and ASU, short field touchdown to open the game. You love those. Yeah. Uh, under Kalani Sitake, BYU now 25-6 and six and has won 11 straight games when you just score first. And you yeah. did that on Saturday, and you've yet to trail in any game this season. Yeah, we've been lacking a fast start on offense, and uh, so there's no way to start faster than to get a turnover on the opening kickoff and get the ball in that short field. That was really nice. And then the final play is uh, Tyler Algier. Uh, calling him a punishing runner is accurate, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And this is one of our, our fast tempo plays. It's kind of a funky formation, and we, we just go real fast and, and uh, you know, see if we can get the ball across the goal line rather than letting the other team get their cleats in the grass. Okay, you say slow start offensively. Uh, drive puts you up 7-0. It was the only scoring drive of the first quarter. BYU was outgained 137-12 to in first quarter yardage, but where it mattered most, the game was even. Nice job by the defense and special teams of keeping you in the game early uh, when the offense was still trying to figure some things out. Yeah, they, they did a great job, and that was a good defense. Um, Arizona State is loaded with talent. They are so fast on defense, and it took us a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of series to get things figured out and, and settle in a little bit. They're good, they're fast, they're physical, and they really are ball hawks, too. You go back over the previous 13 games coming into Saturday night's game, and they were leading the FBS in total takeaways. They did get two, but that's a team that thrives on getting the ball back. Yeah, and there's just so much skill in the back end, and then their, their front is really big and physical, and they, they gave us a lot of trouble. They're very well coached. You know, they've got Herm Edwards, Marvin Lewis, you know, uh, their defensive coordinator is an experienced guy, and then their defensive line coach is a longtime NFL guy. So there was a, quite a chess match of adjustments going on on the whole game. So you get to second quarter. Something about the second quarter of this season, it's your best scoring quarter by far. Uh, first, third, and fourth quarters, kind of dead even right now, but you guys have a knack of taking momentum and a lot of points into the halftime locker room. Second quarters have been great. Yeah, I, I think that's a credit to our our offensive staff we've had we have a lot of continuity we've been working together now for four years and so I think um, you know I'd like to start faster but I think one thing we're doing well is we're making adjustments yeah. in the middle of the game we're figuring out what, what will work and then once we find some things we, we usually uh, get it going in that second quarter so we've already saw your opening drive touchdown the short field let's hit the two touchdown plays in the second quarter uh, on the first you run a special and it gets Gunnar Romney wide open yeah, that's a play we've been running for a few years now. Um, we, we ran it in the bowl game against Central Florida. Uh, we Baylor Romney's first start against uh, Boise State a few years ago, we ran it. It's, it's a play that's been good to us. But uh, we've actually never thrown the ball to the post before. The ball's always gone to, uh, to the 
it was supposed to go to Isaac, but they turned the post loose and, and uh, Jaron found it. So Jaron climbs a little bit and then makes a throw to a guy that's uh, yeah, almost they, by himself in the end zone. Yeah, they doubled Isaac Rex, and uh, which has been happening a lot in games. That's why it's been hard to get him the ball. He's, he gets a lot of attention in the when you get in the red zone or that scoring area across midfield, and uh, they turn Gunner loose. So since you bring him up, let's get to Isaac Rex. On the second touchdown, Isaac Rex finds the end zone for the first time this season and the first of two times on the night. Let's talk about this one. Yeah, we had to we had to sneak him out on this. It was a it was you know it was a um, play action pass where he he has to sell that he's blocking and then sneak out because we we haven't had having a lot of trouble getting him open. It, every team we've played so far has put a lot of defenders with their eyes on him and. And uh, this, this play worked, though. We've been practicing it for a few weeks, and this was the right game to bust it out. And as, as predominant as Isaac was in the scoring attack last year and did well on targets as well, people are wondering, well, you know, what is he in the offense this year? But you're already kind of alluding to the fact that, well, first of all, he's not gone. We're going to see a lot of him, yeah. but he's getting a lot of attention. Yeah, I mean, in the Arizona game, uh, the 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 first uh, the touchdown pass to Neal in the red zone that was supposed to go to Isaac, but they doubled him, so Neal came open. The two point play in that game was supposed to go to Isaac. They doubled him. We threw it to Peeney. The Utah game, there was a couple of plays we were trying to go to him. They end up, you know, it's just people are paying attention to him now because he scored 12 touchdowns yep. last year, and I'm sure now he got two this game. They'll be all over him again. So we got to just keep being creative use our other players, and then uh, Isaac's stuff will come. You've got, you've got options, don't you? Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah, we have a good team. Last possession of the first half. It's after Malik Moore records his uh, BYU second takeaway of the first half. You drive down to the 29-yard line. You're looking at a third and 12. You don't have Jake Oldroyd. What's your thinking in the closing seconds of the half, up to 14? Yeah, we did not manage that situation as well as I had hoped. Um, you know, the, the game before, I thought we did a great job managing the clock uh, in, in the end of the half and at the end of the game. This week, this, this one, I just got to blame myself on this. We didn't handle it well enough. Uh, this shot at the end zone was a play Jaron asked for during a timeout. Um, but it probably would have been wiser of us to uh, throw shorter, try to make some yards, use one of our timeouts, and then we can either take another shot at the end zone or get a field goal. And no one to blame there but myself. So let's say you got nothing on that play. It's an incomplete pass or whatever. You're looking at 46 for points. That's yeah. just, that would have been Justin Smith and not Jake Oldroyd. Did that factor into the thinking at all? Not that you don't trust Justin, but you know he's good to 40 in a game. Does that, did that play into it a bit? Not really, but even if Jake had been kicking, I think it would have been wise there to throw some, a higher completion percentage play for less yards, see if we get a chance for some run after catch. If not, we're well within field goal range now. Use a timeout. You might take a shot at the, another shot near the end zone. You might just kick it. Um, yeah, that wasn't our best best play of the year so far there, but um, we were, you know, fortunately we were able to overcome it. Yeah, two score lead going into the break. Uh, despite not scoring, you're up 21 to seven. And Kalani's team, uh, great record when you're up two touchdowns at halftime, and that stayed true. And then you were also set to receive the ball and start the second half as well. So it was, you know, you, you yeah. had a good chance to pick back up, or you, at least hopefully. Yeah, and, and that's part of the reason why we were aggressive there. We we had we had a two score lead. We were going to get the ball coming out of the half, so we decided to be aggressive. We were probably just a little too aggressive, that's all. Yeah, the middle eight, last four minutes, first half, first four minutes, second half, yeah. often really key in football games. That's what you're thinking. All right, uh, time for a break. When we come back, we'll see how that the second half went for BYU and get A-Rod's perspective on one of the most memorable plays in BYU football history. When the coordinator's corner continues, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more after this. 
A quick turn and a handoff. Becomes a reverse, becomes a flea flicker. Hall steps up in the pocket, goes for the end zone. Wide open as Romney and makes the catch for the touchdown. Back on the coordinator's corner with offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick. BYU now 3-0 on the season, ranked 15th and 16th in the two major polls after a second straight win over a ranked team. This past Saturday, it was 27-17 over visiting Arizona State. Sun Devils' first loss of the season, BYU 3-0 now in back-to-back -back years for the first time in almost 70 years. And that's something in and of itself, isn't it? Uh, I mean, this is a great program, wonderful history. I played a tough schedule year in and year out, but to be 3-0 in consecutive years for the first time since 1951 and 52. Aaron. Yeah, that surprised me. And uh, I heard about that last week, and I brought it up to our players. And I said, you know, this is a chance at a school where there's been a lot of cool things done in football over the years. We got a chance to do something really special. And... And so we were talking about it as a team. Let's get to, let's get to three and zero. And the fact you got there against three P5s is notable. BYU is literally the only three and zero team in the country that has three wins over P5 opponents. And and you know not that you okay we've done it we've made it. I mean the schedule we see what it is. There are landmines all over the place. And and USF even though they haven't a lot of, a lot of success recently will certainly challenge you and know they just beat you a couple years ago. Yeah, and the last time we played them, you know, I, I don't think we had enough respect for them and went down there and, and lost the game and we blew it in the fourth quarter and a lot of the guys playing for us right now played in that game as well and we're, we're not going to forget that. So South Florida on tap this week we'll get to the USF game in our next segment, but uh, if BYU were to win Saturday, they'd be 4 and 0 in consecutive seasons for the first time ever in BYU football history. That's never been done. So if you talked about it last week, you may just drop that in this week too because that's, that's, that's something pretty cool. Yeah, we will. We'll be talking about that for sure. And, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, uh, you know I, it's a cliche, to the one game at a time thing. But I, I think our guys are just having a lot of fun playing right now. And so it's, it's really fun just to focus on just each day and enjoying the day for what it is. I think Kalani does a great job of that. He makes, he makes practice fun. He makes being a part of this program fun. And so we're going to enjoy each day this week and focus just on this game and, and play like heck on Saturday. Let's get back into ASU for a bit. We left you at halftime uh, leading 21 to 7. First two drives of the third quarter went four and out, three and out. Uh, after each of those short possessions, ASU scores touchdown and field goal. So 10 straight ASU points, four point game. But that happened in the first two games. And like in the first two games, things got dicey and BYU gets the response. Yeah, we need to do a better job staying on the field. Uh, in that third quarter, and uh, but again, I think our coaching staff, we you know we made some good adjustments. They did some some different things in that third quarter that were hard for us, and we once we figured it out, we started playing a little better. And you know the fourth quarter was wild, but we moved the ball better in that quarter, and and um, we just gotta gotta do better though in that early third quarter part. We we gave we put our defense in a tough spot. If you want wild, we have to go to the end of the third quarter. Uh, ASU makes it a four-point game. The next drive was actually going places. It was a pretty yeah. good drive you had going. Then comes the play, quote-unquote. Let's break it down with you from the snap uh, late in the third quarter. Yeah, well, first of all, this is a play we run a lot. And, I, I, you know, Jaron's got to take better care of the ball here. That this, this is a poor decision. There's no, you know, we got to do better there. But the effort uh, that Tyler shows to not only track this guy down and then ca cause the fumble, but then uh, for Jaron to be the one to recover the fumble, I think, I think this play says a lot just about our program right now. You know, these two guys, uh, two of our star players just playing with great effort. And our whole program, this could have been any, you know, 10 or 12, anybody on our team. You know, just I think our guys like playing football right now. They love playing for Kalani. And to make an effort like that uh, after a negative play would have been easy. Mm -hmm. 
and, and both of them kind of got tripped up and caught in traffic. Yeah. It would have been easy just to say, ah, oh, shucks, and they score, and then we, you know, rally the next drive. But just an unbelievable, one of the best football plays I've ever seen in, in all, my, all my years of football. Now, it, clearly it's gone viral for a lot of great reasons. The nation has seen this play. But does it live on or should it live on in, with coaches and players moving forward because of what it maybe embodies or symbolizes? Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. I, that, that is uh, our program in, in a nutshell right there. I mean, just the fact that we don't quit. You know, we play hard no matter what. And uh, the play's never over. You never give up on anything. And, and I mean, that's a game, that's a game changing, maybe game saving play. You know, they're, if they score there, they, they take the lead and they've got all the momentum and just really proud of those guys for the effort they gave. Now, the play right after the Algiers sprint and the strip was another Mason Wake hurdle. It ends the third quarter. The drive didn't end with points even, uh, but Tyler and Jaron and others helped keep points off the board A. And then when you combine the time before the strip and after, that's seven-plus minutes off the clock. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and, you know, you might have even had some points except for a sack of Jaron Hall on a third and ten from the 30 on, on the drive that you finished with. Correct. Yeah, I was, I was disappointed that we didn't score, disappointed in the turnover, but – uh, the drive leading up to that had, had been good. We ate up a lot of time, kept yep. our defense off the field. And then, of course, the long drive at the end of the game. Between those two things, we possessed the ball so much uh, in that late third and, and all the fourth quarter that they didn't get very many opportunities to, to, uh, to win the game. And then came the biggest sequence, I thought. It was Arizona State starting a drive, needing a touchdown, but they have, they have the ball with a chance to take a lead. They fall start four times yeah. inside their own 25-yard line before punting it away. Uh, the crowd and the rock in particular had a real impact on the game when they had a chance for a lead. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's been said already, but our crowd is is awesome. I mean, the, the crowd noise in there is insane. I saw, uh, I was talking to K.O. Kalalui and Kaipo McGuire after the game. and They were there for the 96 They were there for, the, yeah, and uh, both of them said they could not believe how loud it was. They were just, you know, they... They were uh, so impressed with our crowd and the crowd noise, and the, it's just, it's a real factor. It's a, it's a huge home advantage. So after this sequence here where they fall start, end up punting it away, you respond with uh, the drive of the game to seal yeah. the deal. You were backed up at your 23 after a muff, actually, on that punt. So take us through kind of your play sequence, what you were seeing, what you were thinking. Uh, it started a 12-play drive to, to kind of end it. Yeah, so at the start of the series, we weren't really thinking about bleeding the whole clock yet. We felt like there was enough game left. Let's, let's just go score. And so, you know, we had a couple of good runs. We actually did a couple of tempo plays, so we weren't trying to burn clock yet. Not yet, right. Yeah, but then once we hit around midfield, we realized, like, okay, these guys are tired. We're kind of leaning on them a little bit. Let's just keep running and uh, see if we can grind this clock out and go down and score. And so um, I think it was 11 straight run plays. And, uh, and then, of course, the last play, we threw it, but uh, which took some convincing, by the way. I had to convince our staff members, uh, Kalani especially, <laughs> that, that we were uh, up to the task there to throw it in the end zone. But um, I didn't want to, first of all, I didn't want to leave it up to the kicker to make, to make the field goal. I mean, we had confidence that he would. That and it's Justin, would. it's not Jake. Yeah, we had confidence Justin would make it, but um, even if we make it, they're going to have about 45 seconds to go score and potentially win the game if they want to go for two yep. or send it to overtime, which, you know, we have a good defense, but I'd rather play for the win. Go end I'd it. Just end the game. I, I don't want to just hang on and hope for the best. I want to be aggressive and uh, had a lot of confidence that Baylor could make that play. So it was 12 plays, 77 yards, 518 off the clock, 
and then the game ceiling touchdown. You already mentioned of the 12 plays, there's 11 runs, there's one pass. Yeah. What does it say that you can bring in a Baylor Romney to make that one play, make that one pass, and finish it off with the only pass on the drive? You know, I've, I've, I've said it before, and it's not just, you know, not just lip service. I have so much faith in Baylor. He's a, he is a clutch performer. He's proven it before. He's an excellent passer. And uh, he didn't even get a warm-up throw. He hadn't thrown a ball in almost four hours. And, but um, guys, he's a good player. And we've practiced this play a thousand times. And I just I felt like I felt like it would work. And like I said, I didn't want to I didn't want to have to put our defense back out there again. As well as they played, I just thought let's be aggressive and, and try to win it. And Isaac's a pretty inviting target back. Yeah, there, and he's he? such a big guy. That's why I, th I felt safe about the play. As as long as we get the throw off, um, Isaac's such a big target. You just throw it up high. It's either you know we don't want an incomplete pass there because it gives them a little more time, but. Didn't, I wasn't worried about the ball being a turnover. I just thought it would be touchdown, let's, let's end it. And it happened that way. Uh, Baylor was in because Jaron Hall left on the previous play. He spoke at the podium afterward, which gave me a good indication. He said, hey, win knocked out of me. I'll be back at practice and playing. Anything you can say beyond what Kalani might say about uh, Jaron's status? Uh, no, just I, Kalani will handle it. But, yeah, he, he seemed – I think it was just the win knocked out of him. He seemed to be fine. Good. All right, another red zone touchdown, by the way. First in red zone scoring percentage nationally. BYU is one of only six FBS teams that are perfect in the red zone with at least 10 red zone possessions. You're 10 for 10 with eight touchdowns. That's a great touchdown rate. Not just the red zone rate, but the touchdown rate. There's only four teams of the six that have eight or more touchdowns, and you're one of them. Yeah, and the, the touchdown rate's the only thing we talk about as a team. You know, field goals are, you know, are... Sometimes they serve their purpose. Yeah, <laughs> but we want touchdowns when we get down there. And we practice. We, I don't think there's a team in college football that practices red zone more than we do. Uh, we, we spend a lot of time on it. We spend a lot of time game planning it as a staff. And um, when we get down there... We, we, go, we use all four downs probably more than any team in college football. So when we get down there, we're looking to get a touchdown as often as we can. All right, let's, uh, before the break, get into your offensive player of the game. And uh, spoiler alert, he was also Elias' defensive player of the game. Yeah, it, like I said, I mean, the play he made just says a lot about who Tyler is, what a great leader he is. You know, the, his rushing stats weren't off the charts, but they were tough. Tough hard yards, yards. hard-earned yards against a really good defense. And these guys were physical. We had our troubles with them. And uh, he earned every inch he got. And then just this play, I mean, this is, this is the game. This, that, that play, he deserves it, if for nothing else, just for that. Time for a break, our final break. As we step away, we remind you that for your daily Cougar Sports play-by-play, -play, tune in weekdays for BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern time. Coming up in our final segment of this week's show, We'll look ahead to USF briefly and maybe get a question in from social media if we have time. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coordinator's Corner is brought to you in part by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU Food To Go, the MVP of your next event. And by Siegfried & Jensen. Serving Utah families for over 30 years. All right, BYU and USF Saturday night, Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Coach A-Rod, Aaron Roderick with us. Uh, quick thoughts on the Bulls of South Florida. A lot of speed and athleticism. It's a unique scheme. It's sort of got a little bit of a Rocky Long kind of feel to it. A lot of 3-3-5 stuff. And uh, it's, so it's 
it's a different scheme than what we've been playing against. We got, got our work cut out for us. Social media question. This coming in from Scott Livingston for A-Rod. On the Romney-Turex touchdown play, was Romney's stumble a fake and part of the play? And similar to what Romney and uh, Bushman ran against Boise in 2019. Uh, it was not part of the play. I know it ended up looking a lot like that play. But no, the, the, the stumble was not a design deal. Um, Arizona State got off the ball pretty good. And Baylor and I think it was our left guard kind of their feet got tangled up there for a second. As if it uh, wasn't already a tense enough situation yeah, to begin with. Yeah, that was scary. That was scary, but uh, Baylor made a great play. All's well that ends well, and he did make a great play, but it did. there was a little bit of reminiscence about that and the way it kind of looked. That it is a good question because it did look like that. <laughs> it was not intentional. Not part of the plan. It would have been gutsy to throw that kind of part of the plan at that stage of the game, but uh, great stuff. A-Rod, thank you for the half hour. We'll do it again next week. Good luck against South Florida. Thanks. All right, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Coordinator's Corner. We're back with you next Tuesday, uh, next Monday morning, beg your pardon, at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. For Coaches Lamb and Roderick, my name is Greg Grubel, wishing you a great week. BYU and South Florida, Saturday night on BYU Radio, post-game, pre-game on radio and TV. For the coaches, we'll talk to you next week.